0: Hi, this is Graham Brown and welcome to the XL Podcast. The XL Podcast is a platform for the bigger conversations about leadership in the 2020s. Who's leading, how are they leading, and what stories do they have to share? Through the stories of leaders, we'll address the big challenges of our times from the era of AI to the Asian century, to nurturing a new generation of entrepreneurs. If you're enjoying these conversations, subscribe to the podcast at xlpodcast.org. Increasingly, brands are looking at podcasts as a way to communicate in authentic and human ways. How do you communicate your brand through a podcast? It may be easy if you are a cool, funky tech brand. But what if, for example, you are government or a management consultancy or an IT services company? It doesn't come naturally, but the good news is there are great stories within all brands and my next guest on the XL podcast, Pratana Sibal, who heads up client services for Pickle & Co, who works on podcasts such as UBS, Deloitte, UTI, Investment, India, and so on, she'll share her experience on the podcast in the next 30 minutes to help you understand how you can turn all that wealth of conversations and people and content inside your brand and your organization into an engaging podcast. Stick around for Podcasting for Brands with me, Graham Brown, and my guest, Pratana Sibol. This is Graham Brown from the XL Podcast. One of the biggest issues in leadership today is telling stories, especially for corporate leaders. How do you tell stories in authentic and engaging ways? The world is changing. Obviously, traditional communications is being transformed. And on the other side of that, we're looking at a world where digital, podcasts, and authenticity are the names and words of the moment. And to help us unpack all of that, I'm joined by Pratana Sibal, who is heading up all the client projects at Pickle & Co., the award-winning podcast agency. Pratana, welcome to the show.
1: Hi, Raham. Thanks for having me.
0: Let's talk podcasts, Pratana. Firstly, how many have you produced as a team?
1: Yeah, as a team, um, I think we are anywhere between 1,200 to 1,500 in the last three years. And that is for the client projects uh, along with our own internal projects as well.
0: So you must have seen an increase in interest in podcasts. As a result of the pandemic, things have changed. Obviously, people are turning towards new ways of communicating, especially in the comms and the PR area. Why are companies choosing podcasts now? What are sort of the top level messages that they're talking about or demands that they're mentioning when they're talking about podcasts?
1: Yeah, absolutely when the pandemic hit, especially we are based out of Singapore. So it was very early here in Singapore within January 2020 itself. And we started getting a lot of requests for uh, companies, corporates, startups, SMEs, wanting to do, uh, individuals also wanting to do their own podcast. And the reasoning behind it was very simple that initially they were focusing on, uh, for relationship building, they were focusing on breakfast meetings, they were focusing on events, conference, Conferences, in-person meetings, um, and all that was suddenly just gone away. So, and Zoom, honestly, or those kind of virtual meetings, cannot really replace the authenticity, or cannot replace that connection that you are able to build. And that is why the uh, the idea behind podcast started, and all the corporates were interested in how can we uh, just amplify the voice of our leadership and get it to the right people. And that is one of the reasons why everyone started. Uh, We saw a huge surge in not just in Asia, but otherwise also around the world in the number of episodes that started getting produced. Initially, the average number of episodes that a podcast was doing in a month was probably one episode per month. And now corporates were doing as many as four episodes a month during the pandemic time. So that's a huge surge of just the knowledge center and the content getting produced.
0: Yeah, there seems to be a, a very strong interest in podcasting, specifically as a corporate communications play for large enterprises. I know you deal with management consultancies, investment banks, IT companies. What are they talking about? Not necessarily the most interesting subjects, I'm sure. I mean, these aren't true crime podcasts or history podcasts, mm-hmm. the kind of stuff that people are used to in the B2C space these clients what kind of subjects do they touch upon and where do they get the content from
1: yeah so this is a very good question because this also this question comes up a lot when a when a client a potential client reaches out to me and they're like okay where should we start looking out for the content so all these uh, type of Uh, clients that you mentioned like management consultants as an example they do a lot of white papers and articles already and they already have a lot of content but that is just in within stored within the people so now it's a matter of how can we get that knowledge and expertise of the people within their team and outside as well and put it out there as a podcast and uh, the kind of content is actually twofold. So one kind of content is more towards their industry expertise. The other kind of content that goes out is more towards what is relevant in the news around that time mm. so as an example when we were uh, when during march uh, we have the international women's day and we saw some great amazing female uh, uh, entrepreneurs and female leaders stories coming up as well uh, then during the mental health month as well we saw some great content coming out uh, we are now almost uh, we are hoping that we'll be out of the pandemic soon and most of the countries are dealing it very well and now companies as an example they're not talking about how they should deal with pandemic anymore they're talking about what is next for different industries right post pandemic and how industries have completely transformed so all these corporates and enterprises that we deal with, they have some great responsibility towards, uh, like, obviously, the, the level that they have achieved. They have some great responsibility towards the listeners. And their listeners expect them to comment on these things like mm. mental health, healthcare, care, um, and the kind of content that I was mentioning about industry-specific. So, as an example, a tech company can be talking about uh, security and privacy and employee experience, right? So this is the different variety of content that comes in.
0: Yeah, they seem to be using podcasts to address conversations that matter mm-hmm. in ways that wouldn't be expressed on different channels. And the podcast, because it's more authentic, because it's more human, allows mm-hmm. them that bandwidth to talk about these things. Let's focus for the listeners on an example project that you've worked on. And I want to pick this one out, UTI, who are an investment bank in India. I think India's last, largest asset manager. Yeah. How do you take a project like that and turn it into an interesting storyline, podcast area? Because it could so easily become very dry when you talk about investment banking or wealth management or assets. Mm-hmm. It could easily become very in the weeds of the product. When they come to you and say, we want you to help us build a podcast. Firstly, what sort of stage typically are those clients at? And then also maybe you can start was walking us through the, the overview of what the podcast is actually about.
1: Yeah. So Graham, let me start with what are the different stages when the clients, potential clients come to us. So one stage is um, in which... They are completely in the ideation phase and they need some help in terms of uh, they, they don't have the clarity in terms of how the process looks like, where should they start. So that is where they come uh, when they come to us and say that okay, we have this podcast idea, probably an idea that was discussed internally in uh town hall during the town halls or something like that or the boss gave instruction that hey let's do a podcast, right uh so that is one of the uh ways the other ways is probably uh when they have already tested an episode uh they have already done a poc within the company with uh, with a couple of speakers and now they know that because they have the bandwidth to do it and they can do it now it's a matter of uh, how can we scale it so these are the two phases, phases that they come, uh, To to me uh, most of the time so it's either ideation or when they want to steal their podcast after already testing and proving that you know we can do it. Uh, With UTI uh, and UTI as you mentioned we are talking actually about the international arm which is very interesting way to see it. So UTI as you know it is very very well known in India however UTI international is the arm which is trying to get eyeballs of the uh, of Europe area, US area, and those regions towards India. So effectively, the, the host, Ben Havers, that we are working with, and when he came to me, he said, I need your help and I need this podcast to sell the story of India to my clients and to my partners, who are not based in India, but they want to know the story of India. I want to show why India is the next exciting investment place for them. And that is where this idea of uh, their podcast is called Inside India. It has already been launched on Spotify and Apple Podcast with the first three episodes. So do check it out. Um, Inside India, India is the story of modern India. It's the story of how India has transformed over years, and it is the story of uh, entrepreneurs' growth, the the young middle class, and how that is growing, and how why the global why every why the rest of the world should be looking towards India. So that was a very, very interesting. It's literally a story that we are telling through each of the episodes for this.
0: And how do you tell that story? Is it done as almost like a audio book telling, you know, chapter by chapter? Or do you get people to tell their stories or do you have sort of analysis? It can be done many different ways.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, Ram, when uh, we do a podcast and depending on the objective that the that our client has we accordingly suggest a particular podcast design to them so as an example if we take a management consultant or we take a band that is more towards analysis news that is more towards you know focusing on data and insights however a podcast like inside india when ben said that he wants to tell the story of India. That is completely conversational, and we have some great speakers, great founders, entrepreneurs from India um, that that are that come on the podcast and they share their story. And this story we are not just referring to as okay, what's your bad story, but they're also telling the story of the how the future India is going to look like. So it's very mm. conversational. It's very personal. Um, the content while it is on India. But I will also say that I have personally learned a lot over a period of time speaking to such amazing entrepreneurs that have come on it.
0: Yeah. You're originally from New Delhi, but you live in Singapore now. Mm -hmm. Thinking about the entrepreneurs that were on Inside India, maybe you could share some standout highlights
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we had uh, we had Venti Mysore. He is the CEO and MD of Red Chili's Entertainment. Red Chili's Entertainment is one of the biggest production houses, Bollywood production houses in India. Mm. So you know how big Bollywood is. Along with that, he's also heading uh, one of the uh, biggest Indian Premier League team called Kolkata Night Rider. So you have cricket and you have Bollywood and these are considered to be the two religions in yeah. India as we joke about it. And that is very true. Like both and there's a lot of similarities between both the industries right in terms of the consumer market in terms of how you keep them engaged and the costing and the business behind it so rather than just showing us the uh, you know the fancy part that we can already the glamorous part of the industry when he literally took us in uh, we we really dive into uh very good content about what is the business behind these industries. Hmm. Because as a layman, we don't really understand uh, what really goes into it. Like one of the things I, although being from India, I didn't really know that red chilies uh, is not just producing Indian movies or Bollywood movies anymore. They are into VFX as well, and there are hmm. some international Hollywood movies and also companies coming to them and saying that hey, can you help us with the VFX? So they are a very very big competitor in this space as well. So Venti mm-hmm. Mysore's episode is episode two, and that is definitely something you should tune into.
0: Yeah, there's there's an interesting angle, isn't there? Also for Ben with the the narrative of story of India, which is that Red Chili's is now a VFX mm-hmm. company competing on the global marketplace, which really plays into the idea of the digital talent in India. And India has probably one of the largest pools of digital talent in the world. It's not just an outsourced mm-hmm. destination for cheap IT. It's also probably competing on you know, skilled services, like you say, servicing Hollywood as well. Mm-hmm. But let's not forget as well with Red Chili's. I believe that's... Uh, also, in, well, to put it in context, if you don't know India and Bollywood so well, maybe you can tell us about Shah Khan. I believe Shah oh, yeah. Khan's Khan is the business partner of Venki and Red Chili's. Yeah. And for those that don't know, who is Shah Khan?
1: So, uh, Shah Khan is not just one of the biggest Bollywood stars, but he's also considered as one of the top rated actors um, around the globe as well. So, when and he's also considered as one of the top paid actors mm-hmm. uh, around the globe so he has been in the industry for over 25 years and he he doesn't have any de- he didn't have any contacts in the industry he started from theater and just climbed the steps and now he has he's not just acting but he has his own production house um Khan is not just the Partner, not just Venti's partner in Red Chili's Entertainment, but he's also uh, a co owner for the KTR IPL team. All right, okay. And he's the face. <laughs> and like it's lovely when we see a KTR match and Shah Rukh Khan is in the stands and they're all ready to celebrate. It's just mm. a great vibe uh, that he brings. Uh, and Shah Rukh Khan, obviously, when you are 25 years into the industry, obviously the number of movies and all that you're doing becomes uh, like fewer because you have choice on what you want to do. Uh but what he's doing greatly, he's also an ambassador for India and Dubai relations. Hmm. So um he's that he's a special citizen who's brought that special visa for uh travel to Dubai as well. So he he's a big star. He is uh he, he's really the star of Red chilies and Bollywood and cricket as well.
0: It's a face that people will recognize. I suppose if they had any contact with India. He's a bit like the, I suppose, in sort of status. He's up there with Robert De Niro and Al Pacino from Absolutely. Hollywood. Absolutely. Even a biggest, Even looks a bit like Al Pacino, but dances <laughs> as well, I believe. So, I mean, it's just a really interesting insight that potentially these have the opportunity to go global as well. And There's a large Indian diaspora, lots of middle class around the world who are of Indian origin, And They were obviously connected to this content, cricket and Bollywood as well. Mm -hmm. But beyond cricket and Bollywood, what also does the series touch on? Because I I think what Ben's trying to achieve with the series is not just to portray India as a destination for cheap in the same Mm -hmm. way China, 20 years ago, was a destination for cheap manufacturing. India has been, for the longest time, a destination for cheap services, especially in IT. Now it's trying to position itself and reframe itself as this destination for skilled services. Mm -hmm. And you're seeing this with obviously media and the media technology side servicing uh, Hollywood. But what else is there in that series which looks at the skill level of India? What kind of sectors and services are emerging there?
1: Yeah, so we for the third episode, actually, we do have Sanjeev Bichandandi. He's the uh, founder of InfoEdge, which is one of the biggest tech companies uh, in India. So there are info edge we might not know info edge that much but the different companies that have grown out of and all these are homegrown countries like india grown countries like notri.com jeevansathi.com 99 acres.com all these companies and even a very majority very big majority share in zomato also mm, is owned by info the
0: food edge. delivery yes, startup food right
1: delivery startup and it is really really big in india so uh this this third episode really gets, gets us uh, help us understand not just about the consumers uh, the Indian consumers their behaviors uh, but it also helps us understand more from the entrepreneur side of it. So uh, Sanjeev started uh, he started working on Naukri.com probably in the mid 90s and that time with so limited resources people were really not sure about. Who are entrepreneurs? Are they businessmen? Mm. Are they working for someone who are entrepreneurs, right? So he he had, he did spend the first three years just to figure everything out himself. So it's a very beautiful story that he shares on how he started, how he got the first investment, how he um, started only and focused on the core of the business, which was notary.com. And then after that, notary.com is actually a portal to look for jobs. Uh, a job portal, then he started with, he saw that the same people after getting the job, it's a typical Indian mindset, after getting the job, they also look for getting married. Mm. So, then there was a conversation around, okay, let's have a marriage, matrimony portal as well. And that's how Jeevan Sathi came along Uh, along with that then was like okay if we are targeting the same consumers who have who we helped get a job who we helped getting the spouse now what about their house right their property they would want to invest somewhere and that's how 99 acres came about so this is um, what I really what was really fascinating about Sanjeev's story was that he has covered the full value chain of uh, in, of an Indian consumer. And it's not like he's targeting very, uh, like the top 1% person or 2% of the Indian consumers. He's targeting the real middle-class people. So people like me who uh, want to even start uh, working, that is the first portal that I would go to. Hmm.
0: Yeah, I, I feel that like one of the real messages in the Inside, in, in the Story of India podcast is that whilst India has this, you know, this real demographic advantage, young people plus the billions of consumers and the growing middle class, really what underlies all of this is this entrepreneurship. People like Venki, Mm -hmm. you know, that they have this spirit when that's reflected very much. And you see the entrepreneurs that have taken to the global stage and have emigrated Mm -hmm. from India obviously you can see google as an example or you know that where the ceos of these startups are indian of origin that they have that natural affinity to the tech world and entrepreneurship as well so that really now is a question of just how big can that become domestically mm-hmm. and you see these these stories being fermented locally and now over time with the right resources that provides a very interesting marketplace so the key is that is how do you tell that story you know how do you give prominence to those entrepreneurs and really that's the the vibe that i get from the story of india podcast and it's a great platform to do that in a very agile way Mm so moving this along partner thinking about this from the angle of a potential client who's thinking about their podcast Mm -hmm. and getting started so they've heard the story of india I guess now one of the challenges that they're going to face is, well, we're not that interesting type question that they may have yeah. in their head, which is, you know, well, actually, that's fine if you're talking about India, but we talk about cybersecurity <laughs> or something that that'd be a little bit more technical or drier. Mm-hmm. How do you deal with that? Because I'm sure it's easy if you've got an exciting area about cricket and Bollywood, but what if you're, you know, nuts and bolts type startup or scale up?
1: Yeah, actually, uh, Bram, I would in fact. What I usually tell is that while the topics or the themes are different, but what is common between all of them is the stories, the people, and the case studies that we can get out of, uh, get out of a company or the people that we are speaking to. So that is probably the trust of any any podcast that we do. What we aim to do is that how we can make cybersecurity sexy for that manner, right? It's through the stories. And that's how we get speakers involved and the right thought leaders involved who who have some really good case studies, not just from Asia, but around the world uh, that people connect to. Because if we are giving just facts and figures, that is something that people will forget after a while, right? But mm. what they'll remember at the end of a podcast would be that story that, as an example, that story that Graham told us about how he um, how he came to Asia, right? Or that he did his AI degree in 1995. Mm. So, those are the stories that stick with you. And that is the aim of each and every podcast episode that we do.
0: Mm. We all talk about humanizing brands now, and there's nothing more human than to tell a story, and that's how we connect with people, isn't it? Through story. Mm -hmm. One of the doubts that a company may have is, well, we don't have great storytellers. Who should host our podcast? And that may range from not having any idea about the host to having Mm -hmm. too many people who want to host it. or well, maybe, you know, we've got four potential hosts. Can we rotate Mm -hmm. it around them? How do you deal with that? Because that can also be a showstopper, can't it? Because it's a an issue which needs to be resolved before you get going.
1: Yeah, absolutely, Ram. This comes up a lot. And uh, the first thing we say is that the person who has the relationship with the clients and with the speakers, they are the ones who should host the podcast. If you're able to get that consistent podcast host uh, for all the episodes, then that's literally a cherry on the top and that's what you should be aiming for. However, I do also, when we work with enterprises, we all know that, you know, work and time and all that comes in between. So we do this concept about, uh, concept of ro- rotating host as well, in which, uh, let's take an example, we have three hosts. So we do episodes like ABC, ABC. Uh, that also gives enough time for, as an example, a C host to prepare while we are already, uh, you know, we released an episode with host number A. So, uh, this is, these are different ways, but the most and the ideal case would be that the person who has the relationship, mm. uh, Let's take the example of UTI International itself, right? And Ben is the one who is speaking to the clients. Ben is the one who is um, selling the story of India. And then it makes total sense that why he is the one who is hosting the podcast as well.
0: Hmm. Absolutely. As opposed to an actor or an outsider yeah, who may actually be much better at public speaking and hosting, but in the context of a podcast is much less authentic because they don't represent either the day-to-day issues or that relationship with the client as well. And so signing off then, Prata, help the audience understand really, you know, maybe just some bullet points, audio bullet points, if you like, about what makes a successful podcast. You've done between 1,200 and 1,500, as you say. Mm -hmm. If you could, on one hand, list up what are the success factors? You know, why do some podcasts reach 30, 40, plus episodes, you know, beyond pod fade, as they call it, and why do some get stuck at the three or four and then give up? What's the difference between them? What are those success factors?
1: Yeah, so the first success factor actually, Ram, is, um, and let me start with what really ha- uh, what really happens and why pod fade happens. So pod fade is usually when uh, anyone has done about Three to four or probably six episodes, and after that they're wondering, wait, why did we start this podcast in the first place? Right. So, what this shows us that there's a misalignment in the business objectives and the podcast objectives. Uh, podcast then becomes just one of the things that they're doing out of other hundred things, right? So it is very essential, like planning phase here of the podcast is probably more. Uh, more important when it than the production phase in the beginning, rather than worrying about the equipments and all that. In the beginning, uh, a podcast owner should be worrying more about uh, how do we align, how do we make sure that the podcast is actually making a difference in our business in some form or the other. So that is probably also one of the reasons why we do a lot, uh, spend quite a bit of time in the planning phase with the alignment session and with the content mapping session. Uh, that is how. If you have that right in the first row, that is that one pager that you can give it to your marketing team, your upcoming speakers, and they're all aligned on why you want to do the podcast in the first place. Uh, Probably one of the second things that probably can either be a great success factor or can be a failure as well is if it's the content itself. Uh, especially with the industry experts and someone speakers who were thought leaders who have been in the space for a really long time, probably they think that what they want to talk about is exactly what the listeners wants to listen to as well. So there can be slight misalignment there as well. Probably listeners are not interested in topic A and they, and that is exactly what the company has been talking about all this while. So that's where the engagement, they might get a lot of audience, but the engagement level will drop in that case so it is very necessary to also listen to your listeners in terms of what kind of topics they're interested in themes and keywords they're interested in and accordingly plan your season one and season two as an example uh, probably one of the last thing that i leave out uh, leave for everyone uh, a thought would be the consistency in publishing so it doesn't matter whether you agree uh on doing one episode per month two episodes per month or even four episodes per month right till the time you are consistently it cons- consistently publishing the episodes uh that is what will uh get your listeners in a habit they'll wait for your episode for the next month right so consistency in publishing we don't really give a lot of weightage probably when we are starting on the podcast but if you're in the phase of like after the proof of concept, if you're in the face of scaling the podcast and you want to grow your audience, uh, you have to make sure that you're consistently publishing out the episodes.
0: Partner, thank you for sharing your wisdom and insights today on podcasting for brands. Where do we find out more about you and your work?
1: Uh, great. So, Graham, uh, all the listeners, if you have any idea, if you want to just have an initial chat about podcast as well, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn. Uh, on I am uh, by the name of Prathana Sibyl. And probably we can put the link in the description as well. Or directly, you can reach out to us via our website, which is pittle.com, dot com.
0: Awesome. it's a wrap. You've been listening to the XL Podcast with me, Graham Brown. To subscribe and discover more conversations, go to www.xlpodcast.org.